Welcome to the Building Wealth Through Commercial Real Estate Podcast, where we will discuss with industry experts on how to create wealth and build passive income from apartment buildings, self-storage, mobile home parks, and much more. Here is your host, Jonathan Way. Welcome to the Building Wealth Through Commercial Real Estate Podcast. I'm your host, Jonathan Way, and I'm the founder of Grayson Capital Group, my investment firm. If you're interested in passively investing with us, please visit graystonecapgroup.com and join our investor network. Okay, and now on to the show. Hello, you guys. Welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me on, man. I'm very excited. You know, we're heading into the holiday weekend, so that's a good wrap up. Yes, yes, of course. Always glad to have you on the show and I'd love to speak to you today. Eli is a retired veteran who probably served his country 21 years as a paratrooper in the United States Army and later became an IT specialist at U.S. Air Force. He co-founded the Atlas Multifamily Group with his partner, Chris and Nathan. They're based in Texas, uh, and they're syndicated and operate for $4 million of assets in Arkansas, Oklahoma, Kansas, and soon Texas. Um, to help others build wealth and grow professionally, Eli co-authored a book, The Other High Achievers. He's done his pur- purpose and, and passion, which he became an Amazon bestseller. Atlas also hosts a podcast called The Real MF Guy Show, MF meaning multifamily guy show. Well, that's a great uh, background, Rabia. Yeah, I love it. And so let's dive more into how you, you know, first you know, began your journey and why multifamily? Why did you choose multifamily as your vehicle? And how did you first start in this field? Sure. Yeah. So I'm, I'm retired military, spent 21 years, right? So, you know, after, after I left the army, I went to school for about two years. I joined the Air Force. I finished my degree in business while I was in the Air Force. But we hit, I hit about 15 years in my career and my wife and I kind of realized that we needed extra income to replace the income for when I go to like retire. Right. So um, it's always been my, it's always been like my passion to go into real estate. So we started buying houses at that point in time, about 2014, 2015 or so. And we did pretty good, you know, got to a couple houses and uh, but then we kind of looked, we kind of looked back and said, okay, well at this, at this point, you know, like we're not going to, at this pace, we're not gonna be able to meet our goals like financially. <clears throat> so I remember driving around town one day and, and uh, I saw an apartment complex and I was like, man, who buys those things? Like that'd be, <laughs> that'd be way more efficient to own, you know, like a hundred doors under, under one roof and have, you know, 40, 50, 60 houses spread across town. So around, around 2017 or so, I started uh, networking and educating myself and kind of learning how the whole industry works. And then I joined a mentorship group about 2018. And that year I picked up my first two deals uh, there. It was like 320 units total. So two deals spread across, no, no, so 300 units spread across two deals in Atlanta, Georgia. Um, those have gone, gone full cycle. We held them and operated for about two and a half, three years. And we sold them at the end of last year. And then in 2019, I met my, in the group, I met my two partners, Chris and Nathan, we formed Atlas multifamily group and we started buying up, you know, properties in Arkansas, Oklahoma, and Kansas. And now we, now we own and operate about 815 doors and we're in a contract now and a deal in Texas. It's 228 units. So after this one closes uh, next month in August, you know, we're going to be just north of a thousand doors. So okay, that's, uh, you know, so we're, yeah. Well, thanks yeah. man. Yeah. <laughs> that's a, that's a great journey over a thousand doors. That's a great achievement. And uh, it's great to see you guys grow. I really like seeing you, you, because remind me of myself, I grew, went to a mentorship program and worked really hard and grew my, grew my doors in storage and multifamily. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Great. <laughs> so, um, okay. So good. So you, you've begin in initially you got into multifamily cause you saw those, the, the beautiful apartments and you're like, wow, this is pretty interesting. Maybe I can own one of those one day and, and create wealth through, through multifamily. And yeah. I guess in, 
And I guess you join a group to get to learn because otherwise you wouldn't have really know how to do that. Okay. Yeah, yeah, I did. Yeah. So like, like, like we saw, you know, we were doing pretty good with like the single family stuff. And, you know, if I had started, I don't know, like 10 years earlier, we could have grown slower, you know, we could have built more, but we were coming towards the, we only had a few years until I retired. So I was like, Hey, you know, we need income faster to, to maintain like our lifestyle. So, you know, for us to scale, we had to scale quicker and more efficiently. So that's kind of what drew us in the multifamily. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, great. And uh, so what markets um, are you focusing now on why? Like what is any criteria is a class A, class B, class C, or what do you love in your criteria? Yeah. So we're, we're pre-established in Arkansas, Oklahoma, and Kansas. Um, and pretty soon here in Texas, but we focus mainly on tertiary um, markets, like smaller ones, right? Mm-hmm. So, like, even though we're in DFW, we don't fo- you know, we don't buy in DFW, uh, or we don't focus in DFW. Uh, so we're getting in Lubbock, right? So Lubbock, Texas, is kind of, you know, it's a, it's a smaller city, but still, it still has good growth patterns, still has a diversified economy and things like that, right? So it's like three hundred thousand people, but what we also focus on in the markets is everywhere we buy, they're all hub cities, right? So they might be a little bit smaller, but they support a bigger region. So they support the surrounding cities, they support the surrounding uh, counties, they support they, they support the surrounding states too. So, for instance, you know we bought in Fort Smith, Oklahoma City, uh, Lubbock. Those those all have a convergence of you know tons of highways that go through there, railways, um, airports. So it's a transportation hub. So everyone, you know, if you want to work. Uh, live, go eat dinner, trade, open a business, go do anything economically, you know, you're kind of forced into, into like that, that city. So that's kind of like, you know, so we look for places that have, you know, strong, strong blue collar, diversified economies, you know, strong, strong manufacturing jobs. And we mainly, we, we've done B and C, like value add stuff. Mm-hmm. We have, okay. we do have one class A that's in Wichita, Kansas. That's a Rice McDab in downtown, but even that's kind of like a value add. So we bought that one at a at a B plus, but it should be like an A, but it should be an A class because like everywhere else around it's an A, and this one's not. So we try to focus on like the value add uh, B and C space primarily. Mm-hmm. Okay, great. So B and C value add. Okay, uh, and 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 you syndicate those. So it's multifamily uh, syndication. Good, very good. I know that I, I know Lubbock is a hub city, supports regional, and it's a good city. Oklahoma City, I am in as well. Uh, mm-hmm. And it's good. It's a good city. Um, and at Fort Smith, I'm not sure, but I'm sure it supports the surrounding Arkansas area and everything else. So it must be a good, good hub as well. It does. Yeah. People kind of laughed at us when we first went in there and uh, now the whole place is booming and growing. And so, you know, we're about to, about to sell like those, those two assets. So, or we're looking at selling at least, and okay. uh, you know, we're going to look like a, bunch of heroes <laughs> oh, okay okay interesting yeah yeah no, yeah no one ever thought of fort smith um a lot, a lot of my peers never thought of fort smith <laughs> so no it's okay. a good city though for sure okay. so what was your best experience in commercial real estate oh man the, the best experience yeah. um i would say i don't know if it's the the best but it's it's for sure the most enlightening was buying buying in very difficult economic times so we bought in so for instance our our deals in Fort Smith, we bought right at the beginning of the pandemic. So, you know, March of 2020, we were, we were under, you know, we, we put our bid in uh, for like those deals, it's a, a total of 412 units across uh, two portfolios. But when we did that, the pandemic kicked off and we kind of realized like everyone 
not everyone, but a big portion of the, of the people that we knew or who were even competing on that same deal backed off. And so we're like, you know, like they all went pencils down or whatever. And so we're like, we're like, Oh man, like, you know, we're going to keep pursuing this. And so we picked it up and it was, it was very difficult. Like lending was crazy. The market was crazy. It was very volatile, kind of like, kind of like it is now. Mm-hmm. But what, what that taught us was it goes back to Warren Buffett's saying, you know, when other, you know, be fearful when others are greedy and greedy when others are fearful. I had heard that so many times before, but it really didn't make sense until like that moment. And so now when I see times where the economy is volatile, we're all in, we're like, okay, we're going to hunt down. It's harder, but we're going to hunt down, you know, phenomenal deals and keep, keep being ambitious, you know, to make these returns. Mm-hmm. Well, that's great. I love, I love that. I love that how you were tenacious, you're persistent and you're saying, you know what? Other groups backed out, so less competition because they were afraid of COVID-19. They were afraid of coronavirus. And I guess of the mm-hmm. unknown and everyone was scared and everything shut down. And, but you say, you know what? You know, I'm not afraid. Let's go see. Let's try to get this deal and close this deal in Fort Smith. So, that, so I like that. That's really good. That's very important value. I'm just going to listen. So you have to, when it's uncertainty and you find a good deal, just continue pursuing it because ultimately you can make money on that deal and, and don't be afraid. Okay. Yeah. You know, I mean, I mean, things are volatile, but you just, you know, you have to have good partners, you know, you have to stay calm and, and kind of get through that fear and think rationally, you know, you have to adjust your game plan. And uh, it's not, it's not always easy because you have to get super creative. So for instance, like those, those units in Fort Smith, you know, we had to retrade, but we got $400,000 off of them. For me, the, the seller was able to sell still because like he was still in a crunch and we were able to buy. So it, it created a win-win situation. And why did you retrade? What was the, what was it? Cause of some kind of repair issue or what was the issue of retrading at $400,000? Lending. So it's, it's kind of like now, right? So when the pandemic kicked off, you know, economic activity locked up. And so uh, some lenders backed up, you know, right. But some were still in the game, but they, but they adjusted like their terms. And so for us, we're like, okay, well, well, shoot you know, we still want to get this deal done. So let's, you know, and the seller, we, we knew like the seller was motivated. Like, you know, he was kind of in a, a pinch at that time. So we're like, Hey, he still wants to sell. We still want to buy. Let's go back and ask him if he can reduce his price. That way we can get the proceeds that we need to, to close this deal. So that's, so that's kind of what ended up oh, was the impetus that helped us out. Okay, good, good. I see. I see. Because the lender, yeah. So this is normally what happens. So my listeners understand when you get a deal, you get term fee. It doesn't mean that at the end, an end will be all. It will be the same term when you close because maybe they get they get scared or free, fearful. So the, the risk is higher now. So lender will say, I'm going to make you put more down payment, more equity in because we, we're not going to support 80% loan the value, no, maybe 60% loan the value, which I kind of see in the agency debt now. When I asked, when I asked Arbor or some one of these, you know, these, these lenders, um, and that's and that's what happened at the, at the end, and that's why you have to retrade. Otherwise, you don't retrade. It's very difficult to make it work mm-hmm. on the under rent because you use a certain loan to value ratio and certain interest rates. But that changes, and that's going to throw off your underwriting basically. Oh yeah, it, it sure does. It, it it impacts the returns, you know. So I mean, we all stress test these things, you know, to a certain point, you know. But if yeah. if it comes back, you know, any kind of terms, right? Like any kind of budget or any kind of terms that come back if it if it goes beyond that you know now that reduces like the returns so you, so you have to go back and and mitigate that by asking for less yes yes it's similar to now right if you if you're on the right deal and you tell the broker i think i think now is a good, good condition to say 
listen, debt market increased. We're uh, probably facing a recession or on the beginning of a recession. Um, we need to have a price adjustment in order to to make it work in underwriting. I think they will they understand that and a lot of class C, especially class C value add. I see that in from the broker sentiment. Do you see that in, in, in your emails on the brokers? How do you feel about the their sentiment and they talk to them? Uh, yeah, we've talked to several brokers, and I think I think they're seeing it now. I think they're beginning to see. <clears throat> I don't think it's prolific across the whole board that everyone's retrading, but I think they're seeing more signs of it, right? So they're seeing that lending. So two years ago, everyone was doing bridge lending, but now that's beginning to dry up. So everyone's having to uh, get get less terms for bridge for bridge debt or they're having to go agency, which gives them like less proceeds too, right? So they're giving them higher higher interest rate and less proceeds. So I think deals are beginning to, it seems like it, at least from what I hear, they're beginning to retrade uh, more and more. Yeah, and a lot of these deals, um, I know because um, I'm selling one of my apartments. Like initially, if it was six months ago, I would have had double the amount of offers, double the amount of best and finals but half the traffic was cut down as I told my, my broker because I'm selling one in OKC. And that's what, I'm, I'm, uh, that's what I see in the marketplace. So just let me listen know that in, in this kind of economic times, there's less buyers because they, they're, they're either they want to see what's going on. And it's, it's kind of beginning to corner back then though, there's pencil down and they're waiting to see what's going on. That's what I see. Yeah. So, okay. And so what, what would you say, um, Eli, in, in, in your experience doing this deal in Lubbock, how did you uh, find this deal in Lubbock, this, this new deal you're working on? I was through a broker, you know, through a book relationship. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, I think about before all of our, all of our deals came from brokers, you know, about hundred yeah. percent, you know, so they'd call us or we call them up and kind of give them our criteria. But now, you know, I'd say probably about 80% comes from brokers and like the other maybe 15, 20% comes from, you know, people that we know in the markets, it comes from, you know, uh, uh, people that we have boots on the ground. So m- m- maybe like a PM group or something like that, that, that knows us and likes us, or maybe another syndicator who comes to us and they say, Hey, you know, we have this deal. Do you want to, do you want to do it with us? So, uh, but, but this one just came through um, a broker that we knew. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And what did you, um, I guess, and you felt that this was a good one because the underwriting worked. And you also get good, good, good leverage on your rates, right? From from Fannie Mac, right? From the lender, so that's good. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, so we have, so we had underwritten it for, for for Fannie debt, for Fannie long term. So for for agency debt, and they were offering like sixty five percent leverage and a little bit higher interest rates. So we had a, which is pretty low for us, you know, because like we were so used to getting better terms from Fannie or from even like bridge debt. So we went back to the broker and said, hey, you know, we need to, uh, you know, we're going to offer less, but I think these other groups are still still underwriting based off of higher terms. So in a few weeks, they're going to realize uh, that they can't, that they don't, they won't get the proceeds that they need to close. So for assurance, assurance to close, I would, I would, you know, go with us. And so they, they give us a big discount um, and knowing that we have better terms. Okay, well, that's good. That's good. Based on your, I guess, your experience, and they know you, and they trust your group more than other groups, and they gave you a lower price. Basically, it seems like. Yeah. So that's good. So that's good. That that means that's good. I mean, something that's very valuable. Um, <laughs> yeah. Good, yeah. Um, okay. So what what would you say? Um, what would you see a one person habit that you do that kind of to to your success and how you be, became a you know in this multifamily investing world? 
what's one key to my success, man, that's, uh, man, there's, you know, I'll say two things, right? So for one, it's, it's, it's your partners. You know, I, I couldn't, I'm sure there's guys who can, who are one man show and they can do it on on their own. But for me, it's having good, strong partners, you know, who have the same kind of vision, but think differently for me. Right. So my two partners right now, you know, we're, we're of the, we're of like the same, same fabric, but they, the way like they approach stuff and the way they think and the way like they lead is completely different. So it helps me grow. It kind of keeps me in balance. It helps me like if I'm fearful on something, it helps push me. Or if I'm, if they're being too ambitious, I can pull back the reins a little bit. So it's a, it's a really good team. Um, so I would say, you know, the, one of the biggest keys is to be very selective when you pick your partners, because those are, those are so hard to come by, you know, finding just good people who are open and honest, who can, who, who can push you when you need it. Number two is probably marketing. You know, like I think for the last like three or four years, we've been buying deals, but we've, we've always kind of struggled with, with the raise. And that's because people just don't really know us. And so at the end of last year and the beginning of this year, we focused on growing our company and really focusing on, on marketing. So we hired a marketing director and she's come in and helped us out like brand, brand Atlas, you know, uh, put ourselves, you know, put our characters out there across all social media platforms. And so that way we can kind of talk about our successes, talk about our, um, our wins, our failures, and, and, and really show people who we are, what we've done. That way they can kind of grow to know, like, and trust us. Okay, that's good. That's good. Uh, a great, yeah, I think marketing is, I think those are two key points you hit upon. That good partners is very hard to come by and, and trustworthy and ensure that, you know, because you're in it for the long haul. These deals are, could be long, long, long term, right? Five oh, yeah. years, seven years, could be long term. And you have to make sure that you, you know, you get along and also you can help each other and be there for you, get your back. Cause, cause I've seen too many uh, negative partnerships where it breaks apart or they go different ways. And I seen too many of that going on. Even I, I seen so many of that. That's why I'm not very, you know, I'm very selective and who we, who we look at and talk to, you know, especially the newbies when they want to join, but it's not, it's not easy, you know? So, um, you know, when the it's newbies not, man, to, cause I mean, like when you, yeah, yeah, like ahead, when you yeah. get money, when you get money involved in it, you know, that's a game changer. You know I mean? you and I might get along as, as great friends, but you know, when we have a few hundred thousand dollars on the line and it changes people, you know, so you want to make sure that you, you, uh, you pick people who can maintain a cool head because yes. I mean, there's so many things that can make these deals go sideways. Right. So yes. yeah, yeah, <laughs> it's a big deal. Yeah. Okay, great. So what, so what was the best advice to our audience? What would you say? What's the best advice ever that you'll give? Um, I would say, operations is is critical it, mm-hmm. it, it is like the lifeblood of the of the business right so i know a lot of our industry focuses on the acquisition because that's kind of like the sexy part right it's like mm-hmm. oh my first deal or i just like you see all the facebook you're like oh yeah i closed this 200 unit deal and so the acquisition is like the the fun cool sexy friend right but mm-hmm. um i would say that you know to focus on the operations because I'll focus on two things. First is the operations, because once you, once you close, you know, now you own it for what, three, five, seven, 10, 20 years, and you have to operate and perform. Right. So I think a lot of our industry kind of negates the idea of, you know, uh, or, or, or the importance of, you know, uh, asset management and property management. So I would say, focus on that um, and make sure that, you know, if you're, if you're passing investing that, 
the operators are focused on that. And, and number two, start marketing yourself now. You know, I think, I think, you know, we waited, like we operated very well. We're buying properties and our properties are doing very, very well. Like they're, they're outperforming, doing good things. But, you know, I would say start marketing yourself now, you know, get on, get on Facebook, get on Instagram, get on TikTok, you know, start putting your message out and be authentic about it. You know, get on, get on LinkedIn and start putting your message out. That way people know who you are because there's, there's one side is the operations, but the other side is if, if no one knows you, then it doesn't do you any good, right? So operations and marketing are, are key to success here. Mm-hmm. Yes, it's very true. I mean, I learned that also the hard way too, when I first, you know, and when, it's the operations that I think a lot of people learn the hard way too. When you go out there yep. and you see different things, you know, happening and product management not doing, not performing and not meeting KPIs, then that's where you got to take action and say, you know, is this, is this the right fit or not? And maybe you have to change the property management and you have to make sure it works well. Otherwise, you know, it's going to be very, it's, it's a very difficult thing. Multifamily is actually very difficult because you have to make sure that that class C, class B value add goes along to your plan, to your vision, to the returns, because, that's a real important thing to make sure it works. You know, it's easy to kind of, in a way, it's it's easy to say close and that's it, but you're not done. The, the real work starts when you actually close. <laughs> and yeah. yeah. And, and that's a hard, that's a hard part. That's the, that's the hard part. So. It is, man. And, and, and the marketing even extends out to other partners too, because yeah, marketing helps you raise money. It does for sure. Because people, people can come in who like your message and who can join your team and help, you know, like contribute by passively investing in your deals. But it also helps you find other GP members, right? Like other partners. And so you should, you know, you should always be growing and expanding your network because really about 90% of our, our business is networking and 10% is like deals. So yeah. it's, it's kind of yeah. funny how like that works, but it's true. Yes, that's true. Exactly. Exactly. Well, Eli, thank you very much for coming on the show. How will people, I guess, reach out to you? Like they want to look at your deals, they want to invest, they want to talk to you. What's the best way to get a hold of you? There's a couple of ways. So probably one of the easiest is to email me directly, you know, so Eli at investwithamg.com. But they can also check us out to see kind of how we think, how we uh, approach problems and how, how we do stuff, you know, so we also, uh, so check out our Instagram, it's Atlas MF guys, or um, our our podcast too, you know, we're called the real MF guys show. Mm -hmm. Okay, great. Awesome. Well, thank you very much. Come on the show. I appreciate it. Absolutely. Had a great time. Thank you. Thanks for listening. For more information, you can find us online at www.graystonecapgroup.com. Check back weekly for new episodes. See you again next time.